to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on January 15, 2017, on the basis of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 7. At the time, it seemed like such a pointless formality. I was just 10 years old at the time, but I still can vividly remember that Tuesday early in November back in 1992, when Bill Clinton was elected the 42nd President of the United States. And at that time, I, I simply assumed what I think any 10-year-old would assume, I know it's what my kids assumed this past November, that, that when a person gets elected president, that, that right then and there, they simply become president. Of course, I, I learned that that's not exactly how it works. I learned about these things called inaugurations. There's one coming up on Friday, I hear. You know as well as I do that a presidential inauguration is anything but a pointless formality. For one, our Constitution requires them. They require the man who's becoming president to take an oath of office. And secondly, presidential inaugurations sort of epitomize one of the true treasures of our nation, namely the the peaceful transfer of power. 43 separate times, the highest and most powerful office in our land has been transferred from one person to another without any substantial resistance or revolt. Friday will be number 44. And yet, as significant as a presidential inauguration is, there's there's one important thing that a presidential inauguration cannot do. It cannot help the man being inaugurated actually do his job. It does nothing to help him carry out the office into which he is being installed. So for example, whether that was President Obama and his mission to bring us hope and change, or whether that's soon to be President Trump and his mission to make America great again, nothing that happens on that inauguration day can possibly help him achieve any of those goals. Now, that maybe seems a bit obvious, but I think sometimes the opposite impression can be given. It's almost as if the, the location chosen for the event or, or whatever the weather happens to be that day or the book that is chosen for the president to swear on or the, the page of the Bible that he has it open to can somehow set the tone or somehow influence the kind of president he's going to be. And of course, all of that is, is just a little bit of silly superstition. But you know, out of all the things that really don't matter a whole lot about a presidential inauguration. I think probably the thing that matters least is who comes, who shows up. You may be aware that this year there's, there's been kind of a big deal made about the fact that apparently Team Trump has not been able to line up the usual list of A-list celebrities to perform at the event. And just in case we're tempted to think that that's a a really big deal, that people like Celine Dion or Elton John or Bruno Mars have said no to performing at the presidential inauguration, consider the fact that four separate times in history, the outgoing president has has thought so little of his successor that he has not shown up at his successor's inauguration. So why all this talk about presidential inaugurations? Well, Today we're talking about another ceremony that can all too easily seem like a pointless formality. We're talking about baptism. 
First, we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus' baptism. And if you know anything at all about baptism and who baptism is for, we might be tempted to think that Jesus' baptism was just kind of this, this pointless formality that he went through. But then we'll also talk about our baptisms. And even if you know full well that, that your baptism was anything but a pointless formality, that it did in fact do something very powerful and very important in your heart and in your life, it's easy to treat it the opposite. In fact, the, the amount of times that we think about it, talk about it, turn to it as a source of comfort and encouragement for us, help our children remind, remember their baptisms, all of those things might indicate that, that we do sort of treat baptism as, as kind of this empty, pointless formality. Today we're going to see that, that in both cases we are dead wrong. That when we are talking about baptism, whether that's Jesus' baptism or our baptism, it is anything but a pointless formality. In fact, what the Bible tells us is that a baptism is a lot like a presidential inauguration. Except a lot better. Because at our baptism, God not only designates us and sets us apart for a very important office, he actually also equips us, enables us, strengthens us to live according to the demands of that office. We're also going to see that, that unlike a presidential inauguration, when it comes to baptism, who shows up matters a great, great deal. In fact, everything about baptism, everything that happens in baptism, all of the blessings of baptism depend on who shows up. We're looking at these verses from the book of the prophet Isaiah. They were actually written 700 years before Jesus' inauguration even took place. And the first thing that we need to realize from these verses is what exactly Jesus was being sent into this world to do. What exactly was the office into which he was being inaugurated? Over and over again in these verses, Isaiah says that Jesus came to be the one who would bring justice to mankind. What that means is that Jesus came to make it possible for a holy God up in heaven to look down on a world of utterly sinful people and be satisfied with them and be happy with them, to declare about them that they are right and good and perfect even in his sight. That's the job that Jesus came to do. That's important for us to remember because it's easy for us to reduce the work that our Savior Jesus came to do for us. It's easy... <laughs> for us to think of Jesus as this guy who came to, to maybe teach us a few good things about God, to maybe introduce a, a new and radical way to live and to treat others, someone who came to be a, a perfect example of how to show love for absolutely everyone, a perfect role model for us to follow. But if we reduce Jesus' office to, to just that, or even primarily that, we fail to truly understand the predicament that we are in. I mean, sure, Jesus came to, to teach us how God expects us to live, but if that's all Jesus came to do, it wouldn't make a bit of difference because no matter how hard we tried to live according to that way of life, we could never live up to the perfect expectations God has for us. No, what we really need is someone who can live that way, who can live perfectly in our place. Even if Jesus came to show us how to do enough good that it, it kind of outweighs and, and pays for all of the bad that we do, wouldn't make a bit of difference 
Because no matter how much good we could ever possibly do, it would never outweigh the bad. The debt that we owe to God because of our sin is so great that that what we really need is someone who is able to pay that debt for us. If Jesus is nothing more than a guru or a life coach or a role model for us to follow, then then it logically makes sense that on the one hand we might choose to follow Jesus and and imitate him, but we might just as likely choose to follow and imitate someone else and it, it wouldn't make a bit of difference No, if we truly understand the predicament that we are in, what we really need is someone who came to live perfectly in our place and someone who came to die innocently for our sins. And that's the mission that that Isaiah describes. That's the office into which he would be inaugurated. So then Isaiah goes on to describe how that inauguration would look. And specifically, he gives us a, a beautiful description of who was going to show up, who was going to be there that day. And he first draws our attention to God the Father. At his son's inauguration, the Father was going to show up. And his job was to make it clear to everyone who was there, including us, that Jesus was, in fact, the one sent to bring justice to mankind. The Father would say this, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. So first the Father would show up, and then Isaiah says, the Holy Spirit is also going to show up. And his job is to descend on Jesus and be with Jesus and follow Jesus and and be present with Jesus each and every step of the way to make sure that that mission he came to do was brought to its successful completion. Isaiah tells us that the Father would put his spirit on him and that as a result, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. So that's how Isaiah describes Jesus' inauguration. And if you fast forward 700 years, now the time had come. Jesus was here and it was that time of transition from his work as our Savior that was very private in relative obscurity as he grew up, up in Nazareth, to the time where he would enter his public ministry. In other words, the time for his inauguration had arrived. Matthew tells us how it happened. There was no publicity. There was no fanfare. It seemed like just another ordinary day. Jesus got in line with a long line of sinners And eventually, when it was his turn, he stepped into the waters of the Jordan River and he was baptized by John. A few splashes of muddy river water, the recitation of some very simple formulaic words. We might be tempted to think it's a little bit anticlimactic, right? A little bit less than fitting for the inauguration of the Savior of all mankind. In fact, we might even be tempted to think that it was kind of just a pointless formality. It's actually what John thought it was. He thought, there's no need for this. You need to be baptizing me. We'd be tempted to think all of that if not for who showed up. Matthew tells us that as soon as Jesus was baptized, the Father showed up. His voice came thundering from the heavens and he said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Just like Isaiah promised. And then the Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down and and landed on Jesus 
to be there with Jesus, to equip him every step of the way to make sure that he would not falter or be discouraged or give up on his mission, but would see it to its successful completion. The Holy Spirit showed up to exactly as Isaiah promised. Jesus' inauguration, Jesus' baptism, was anything but a, a pointless formality. It was God keeping his promise. The Father showed up. The Spirit showed up. Jesus' baptism was a, a vital and integral part of his ministry that helped him carry out his work to its completion. So now fast forward three more years. The work is all done. Every sermon has been preached. Every miracle has been performed. Every single drop of blood has been shed. Every last penny of sin's debt has been paid. Jesus is no longer standing in a river. He's standing on top of a mountain with his disciples. And as part of his parting words of instruction, he wants to tell them how they are going to take that justice that he won for all mankind and take it out and share it with everyone in the world. So he says, go and make disciples of all nations. How? By baptizing them. Just a few splashes of ordinary tap water, the recitation of some very simple and formulaic words. We might be tempted to think that it, it's nothing more than a pointless formality. If not for what Jesus promised us about who would show up. The very same three guests who were there at his inauguration. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Friends, at your baptism, God the Father was present. He was present doing exactly what he did at Jesus' baptism. He was declaring about you. You are my dearly loved child, and with you I am well pleased. At your baptism, Jesus, God the Son, showed up. He was there with, with his robe of righteousness, his absolutely perfect life to be wrapped around yours so that as you stand before God, that's what he sees. At your baptism, the Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit came down from above to dwell in your heart by faith and to keep you strong in that faith until life's end. We might be tempted to think that baptism is just this pointless formality if not for who God says is going to show up. You see, by choosing this very simple act to carry out Jesus' inauguration as our Messiah, not only was that an important event for Jesus, but in so doing, God was setting aside that very same act of baptism to deliver the very same blessings to us, to make that our inauguration too. Our inauguration as God's children and as heirs of eternal life. Baptism is anything but a pointless formality. So here's my advice to you. Don't treat it that way. You see, as we live out our lives in the calling that God has given us as his dearly loved children, we face challenges every single day. We face the enemy and the opposition of sin. And sometimes it, it sure seems like we're fighting a losing battle, that there are just those sins that no matter how hard we try, we can't kick. So rather than looking inside of you for, for more strength or more resolve, rather than visiting the self-help aisle for the latest and greatest advice, what if instead you daily tapped into the power of these three simple words? I am baptized. 
Because you are, you can rest assured that the Holy Spirit is with you, living in your heart. And even though you don't always have the perfect ability to fight against sin, you can rest assured that he does. We also face the enemy and the challenges of the devil, who loves nothing more than to approach us with his wagging finger and point his accusations at us and say, after all those sins that you've committed, how in the world can you be certain of where you stand with your God? So rather than trying to make up for those sins, rather than trying to outweigh the bad with more good, rather than trying to assure ourselves by comparing ourselves to other people around us, what if each and every day we tapped into the power of those words? I am baptized. Because at your baptism, you were clothed in the perfect white robe of Jesus' perfection. And as a result, when you stand before God, that's all he sees, Jesus' robe of righteousness. Finally, the last challenge and the last enemy we will face is death. And even though we try and deny it sometimes, each and every day we are reminded of our mortality and tempted to think that one day, no matter what happens during our lives, death will rob us of everything that we love and everyone that we love. So rather than trying to ignore that, rather than trying to fight against that, rather than trying to counteract that by saying, well, life is short, better make the most of each and every day, what if each and every day we, we tapped into the power of those words? I am baptized. Reminding ourselves that at our baptism, God made us a member of his family. He made us his child, which means that we also got written into the will. It means that the inheritance is ours, and even death cannot possibly rob us of the things and the people that we love most. Martin Luther once said that there are no more comforting and encouraging words in all the world than those simple three words, I am baptized. Think it often. Say it often. Celebrate it often. Help, help your children remember it often. And when you do, rest assured that it will be no pointless formality. Rest assured that, that as surely as God was present at your baptism, as you continue to celebrate its blessings, God will continue to show up. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.